Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. We're here, buddy. Uh, long time coming. The time has finally come. Absolutely. Mr. Melvin Seals, 18 years, the longest running keyboard player with uh, Jerry Garcia Band. Could be a nicer guy. I've been super uh, blessed to work with him doing Jerry's birthday band. Also, he plays in my band, O'Teal and Friends. and Home for the holidays. Yeah. I mean, you came to one of those too. I came you? to, I came to, to, uh, I'll tell you, that was a night. I had a stand up show in Hartford, Connecticut, and I literally told them, I'm like, pay me before. I'm going to have my car running. I got to get out of here. And I drove from Hartford to Port Chester, record time. And I got there for the end of the first set, all of the second set. And I, uh, yeah, it was just a beautiful, you guys did Positively Fourth Street, which I think is one of the most incredibly lyrical, lyrically great ways to say like, you know, a middle finger to someone who you don't really, you know, like so much. And uh, to hear you guys play that, I was bawling my eyes out and uh, Jerry's daughter walked by and saw me and gave me a giant hug. And then she danced with my wife <laughs> and uh, it was a good night. But uh, listening to Melvin it, uh, and just how him, his story of like where he came from and where he went with Jerry and with the guys and some of the you know, experiences that he dealt with um, on the road you know, heading into small towns for festivals and being scared because of color. And it's interesting. Yeah. It, 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 I definitely learned a, a bunch of things that I didn't know for, for all the time that I've spent with him, which is one of the things that's so great about having a podcast like this. Like it's, you can talk with someone long form and uh, man to learn things about him and about Jerry that I, I had no idea about. It was really cool. So I'm looking forward to everybody getting a chance to hear all of that. Yeah, I think we're all kind of this is the one thing that we can be happy about with uh quarantine is that everyone's home. <laughs> so we can talk to anybody we want. But we hope that you guys enjoy episode 1 and we've got a lot of amazing episodes coming up. So uh thank you for being a part of Comes the Time podcast. It's an honor to bring this to you with my pal Teal. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, I'm O'Teal. Hey, I'm Mike. And welcome to the Come to Time podcast. And today on the podcast, we are honored to have our guest, the one and only Melvin Seals. Hey, bud. Hi, how's it going there? 
Good to see you. <laughs> Good to be with you. Thank you so Thanks much so for, much. Uh, yeah, it's an honor to have you here. All right. All right. Yeah. For real. Yeah. We, um, Lord knows we have so much we want to ask you, but, uh, <laughs> I, um, I really wanted to, uh, talk with you about your experiences. Like I was saying to you before, you know, since the, uh, murder of George Floyd and all these yeah. protests have broke out, you know, we talk a lot about it on my Instagram and sometimes get into these big long fights and stuff. But a lot of people, a lot of our fans from the jam band community, deadheads, mm-hmm. all my brothers had to, they reach yeah. out to me going, you know, like, I don't know about this stuff. I don't know. I'm like, right. I bet you know somebody black, just like, talk to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> ask them what they've been through, especially. Yeah. Oh, that's how we do it. Older, you know? <laughs> You had all those years with Jerry, you know, 18 years. And uh, yeah. and I know because I'm black and you're black, <laughs> you're going something, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know? So I really want to talk more about your life. Like, you're from originally from San Francisco, right? I was born in Berkeley, California, which is just over the bay, across the bay, but pretty much raised in San Francisco. Right in the I've city? been in San Francisco in the heart of the city wow. for from the age, I think, four or five. Okay. And I've been here ever since. I, I get to travel doing stand-up quite a bit, and one of my favorite clubs in the whole world is the Punchline. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Which I've yeah. done a couple of times, and uh, it's always it feels special going back to Sam Fran and w- w- where all the music started that I love so much, and yeah. he- going over to Terrapin, at crossroads and visiting yeah, Phil yeah, and Graham yeah. and all those guys. So it's it pretty place. wild growing up there. Oh yeah. 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 It's uh, and it's still wild. <laughs> San Francisco <laughs> is changing every day. It is not the same. Even where I live going down third street, it's like, I don't recognize it anymore. You know, they have the ballpark, they have the AT&T and now they, the warriors just moved over here and it's, it's just changing. You know? Yeah. When I, when I would go visit that area where the punchline was, uh, which I can't remember the name of that neighborhood, but, uh, there's, it's all, uh, Google employees now, I believe, right? Now, yes, yes, yes. And it's, I mean, like you go to restaurants and it's almost like the waiters and waitresses and servers are almost like shell shocked or they have PTSD from all the jerks they have to (laughs) serve. You know, you go in as a nice, normal person and they're like all right, I'm sorry. And I'm like, why? No, we're good. It's cool. I'm a comic. I'm poor. Like, I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely has a lot of magic, though, that whole area. Yeah. I don't know if much is coming out of there now, though, but, yeah. Things have changed. I know when you started out, you were in the church. Yes. uh, Is that, uh, was your dad in the church, like, minister or something like that? Or actually, or you just were heavy churchgoers? No, my dad was, uh, he was the church clerk and secretary. So he did the bulletin and all that. He was a pianist of one of the choir. And he was the choir director of the senior choir. This is going way back, you know. And so there was a piano in our house because he played piano. Not very well, churchy, you know, this old church. But there was a piano in the house. So that, uh, you know, gave me a bit of an edge uh, when the music scene hit me like, whoa, you know, piano, we got one here. And 
you know, uh, and when it when it, when it hit, I wanted to play, so I had something to to work with. But our parents were from the south and very strict parents, and they go to church. You go to church. I'm out there three nights a week while he's doing the bulletin board, rehearsing the choir. I had to go as a young kid, you know, just. It was church, and they did not believe in secular music, as my father would call it, with boogie-woogie <laughs> back then. That's what he called it. Because, you know, when I start learning to play and make some chords, now I'm listening to radio stations, and I'm hearing a song, oh, I want to learn that. And so, you know, besides the church, trying to pick up secular songs and and then my father and my mother used to they didn't like that, so they would come and tell me you know my middle my middle name is Dwayne, Dwayne it's time to get a the, give the piano a rest it needs a rest now, oh. I never understood that, <laughs> but they were tired of what I was trying to play because it was not church I was trying to learn Motown stuff I was listening to Motown and you hear this song and the great or organ solo or piano solo that you heard and wow and you want to learn it and they didn't like none of that you know so it was very strict for me um i was not able to go out and see bands uh uh i had to listen radio very low and when they wouldn't count around and play that stuff when they wasn't kind of around you know so it was kind of hard for me trying to uh branch out but you know i managed to do it (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) what part of the south were they from Louisiana, Homer, Louisiana, Shreveport, and Minden, Minden, Louisiana. Louisiana's magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love New Orleans, and I, I'm from DC, but I lived in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee for uh, 35 years. You know. Oh wow! 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 And it just you get that uh, that marinade, you know. So I'm sure <laughs> it's you know a they had place. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember what age they came to California? Like, did they experience some terrible Well, like I said, I was born in Berkeley. I'm trying to do the math. I'm not good at doing the math. I'm 66 years old, and I was in San Francisco four to five years. So going back, I was born in Berkeley, California, and there you have it. Is that, <laughs> is that 44, 54, 1954? I can't do the math. Yeah, yeah, I need a calculator. Something like that, yeah. We're all a little, uh, I think we've all spent too much time with Jerry in one way or another to do math like that. um, Melvin, do you remember when you were, like, able to first go to live shows and when you were first able to, you said your your folks weren't into letting you go to concerts. When you first had that live music experience outside the church setting, did it just blow you away? Did you, like, know at that point that live performance was something you want to be a part of? Well, I knew it. I knew it from uh, listening to American Bandstand, I think Midnight Special and Shindig. I think I might be saying it right. All these old TV shows that would have the entertainers come on. And I would see certain entertainers, you know, black and white uh, bands and just certain songs were magical to me. It's like, wow, wow, I'm looking at these guys. But it was one guy that that I thought I can pattern after because he was in front of me. He came out flat out to church 
and was doing what I wanted to do. I've heard a lot of great organists, Jimmy Smith, Shirley Scott, and Johnny Hammond, and, you know, they're playing fast and all over the place. And it's, okay, it's a little tough for me. But there was this one guy that I learned to have met and learned to know, and that was Billy Preston. And I always give him his credit because he came straight out of church, playing from James Cleveland, Claire Ward Singers, and all the Robert Martin, played with all those people. And I was able to follow his pattern, his chords, what he was doing when he got with, did work with Ray Charles, the Beatles, the Rolling Stone, the Rita Franklin. I mean, it just goes on. Mm. And, and so he had a rock gospel style. And that's the style that I, I, I entertain today. It's kind of a rock gospel-ish, very gospel. But I'm able to integrate the rock, the blues, the shuffles, the New Orleans. And I've learned enough a little bit from a little bit. I'm a mixture of a lot of stuff. And I just put it together, but gospel's in the focus. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Billy Preston, I mean, what an unbelievable uh, trailblazer to follow, too. Oh, I mean, well. <clears throat> I love that story when you actually got to play with him. It didn't go quite how you. <laughs> Good. But you know what? Uh, and from knowing uh, Billy Preston's sisters, Rodina Preston, they both passed. And Rodina was with James Cleveland, the Gospel Music Workshop, if you knew anything about that. So they were huge in the gospel scene. <clears throat> and Billy would show up, and whenever another organist, Twinkie Clark, for one, uh, caught the audience. You know, she was doing something. They, you know, I was like, play Twinkie, play Twinkie, you know. And Billy was in the room. Redina would say, he'd get walk out. He didn't like that. He had a very jealous spirit. <laughs> and so the story that he's talking about, I mean, he's been my hero all my life. And when I had a chance to meet him face-to-face, it was in Europe. I was with Clarence Clement. And we went to Europe, and uh, Billy was over there for, uh, for some reason. I don't know. And so when Billy felt that found we were coming down, uh, they said, oh, Billy's going to come down. Boy, I could that whole evening with me, Billy. He's going to play with me. Oh, oh. And so, you know, I know his stuff. You know, now I can play Billy Preston. And then I was able to play. I uh, was no longer a student. I could pretty much do what he was doing, you know. But he had to do it first. We said, oh. Okay, let me learn that, you know. So he was, you know, the writer. Respectfully. Well, yeah, you know. And so when he came in, we were with Soundcheck. He came in, and we were doing something. So I started playing Billy Preston, what I think he would have done. He didn't like that. But that was, I didn't realize it at the time, you know, he didn't like that. So he came in, he didn't want, I was going to get off the organ, let him play organ. He just wanted to play the world as a piano. He didn't want to play the organ after that. <clears throat> but where it came down was after sound check, we have, you know, lunch or dinner before the show. And so in the dinner room, uh, I went and sat right next to it. And, and I was going to tell him, I did tell him, it was just uh, all, hey, thank you for the music lessons all these years. And I went back into stuff that he probably don't think most people know he did. I know the gospel side. So I went back and I said, you know, name songs and albums that you played on and churches and conventions that he may not even remember much of, much of. And when I got to, through with, you know, saying and giving my spirit and just, thank you, gosh, I just, you know, 
His words for word for word, and I kid you not, I'm not changing. He said to me, I thought that shit sounds familiar. <laughs> That's what he said. Jeez. And it's like, wow. <laughs> nice to meet I didn't you, know sir. What it, I didn't know what it felt after I poured my heart out to him. For him to say that, oh my God. and get up and walk off. What yeah. oh. what I found out, and I'm not going to get into his, his garbage, but I was sitting next to the bass player that he had interest in. What <laughs> oh, he is a bass player. He had eyes on. So. <laughs> it's the so, art of timing, Melvin. Yeah. It would have been different. <laughs> it would have been different. Oh. But just to give you a little bit more briefing of the night. So, you know, you know, I'm just, just want to know something, know something about the man that I've studied all my years. Although you know, I walk in the room, there were a lot, lot of rooms. I walk in the room, he was just watching and then check out his demeanor. I walk in the room and he would soon walk out that room. He did not like me. So when we performed that night on stage, I don't know how this happened, but the audience in Europe knew I played Jerry Garcia. And so there was a little drama about this is Melvin Seals. They knew this. And of course, Billy Preston is Billy Preston. We got into an organ battle. And I played all, he played a lick, I played his lick. He played a lick, I played his lick. That went bad. And the audience gave me the bigger roar because like, Melvin's hanging with Billy Preston, you know. (laughs) But I knew his stuff. And so after so much of that, he it was we were doing, I think, uh, Get Back, Get Back to First Blown, or Jeremy's Book, or whatever that song is called. After so much of that, he just got up and started dancing. (laughs) <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> he was doing some stuff like, Whoa. holy Ooh. shit, that's amazing. <laughs> holy shit. But, and from the rest of the night, he wouldn't talk to me. It's like, he just like, you know, I just, bad moment. And wow. it is what it is. Can you hear that anywhere? That organ battle? Is that like out there? To the, to I, I, I have a, I have a dat of it. Wow. I have a dat. I, I don't have a dat love. player anymore. But I have it on dat. The I would love to hear performance. that. Yes. I, have yeah, I can I find a that player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For that, I'll yeah, go I have, buy one. I, I mean. It. And you and you us doing what we're doing. And then, you know, it's it's uh, it's not video. It's just, uh, I don't, yes. It might be video. I don't remember. But I have it because I used to listen back to it. And then he got up and he stopped playing. He's dancing. And he lost me there because, boy, could he dance. <laughs> I think you won. <laughs> he was stepping. He was doing some stepping. <laughs> But you know, I'm gonna tell you one other thing. Then I'm get off and let you guys talk. Kind of almost the same experience with Jimmy Smith. I never met Jimmy Smith, but Merle Saunders and I was very good friends. And somewhere a long time before he passed, they had a Jimmy Jimmy Smith Day honoring him in L.A. Southern California. Mm-hmm. And so Merle called me because we were buddies and said, "Guess who I'm sitting with?" And I'm sitting with Jimmy. Oh man, let me talk with him. And so he's, he put me on it. Yeah. I said, Jimmy, man, you are the baddest. I, I just said a few words, and he said, point blank, word for word, tell me something I don't know. What? That's what he said. Tell me something I don't know. I said, oh, is Merle still there? I didn't know what to say behind <laughs> that. I, you know, Why? I don't, I don't carry that in me. I don't understand that. Because you're great, but... I don't know anything about that. No, but, I've so, heard he's so, a real mean cat, and I think there's some bitterness 
And I've run it, you know, man, meeting yeah. your heroes, it's so brutal sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that seems to be the running theme for me, at least. Like yeah. when they're bitter that, you know, how come I didn't get as famous as this guy and that guy, yeah. Yeah. I'm his hero. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> and yeah, it's like, to me, you know, God or the universe picks those things and, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a long line of jazz guys that are geniuses yeah. that never got the whatever, you know, so I don't, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's not me picking it, but I've had, but my two biggest ones were just great angel race cats. They're just like you, Melvin. They're yeah. Uh, yeah. Wayne Shorter and uh, Alvin Jones, and yeah. they were just angels, man. So humble to be so iconic. And uh, yeah. so that yeah. made up for the other ones, you know. And yeah, then, okay, you know, okay. Covers that come along that think there's yeah. something i'm like hey man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't play all those years with coltrane <laughs> like, yeah yeah he yeah, was yeah. nice so. yeah 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 it is Amazing. it is it is a special feeling when someone who you appreciate so much from a comedy standpoint too when you're on stage yeah. and you're telling a joke and you see a comedian who you grew up listening to laughing yeah. at one of your jokes and then yeah. I've had the privilege of going on the road with you know like Dave Attell and some of my other heroes and and to see them yeah. in the in the, the sidelines laughing at a joke with the crowd it's like oh boy yeah. like this is yeah. just me and that person in the room you know it's like the audience <laughs> yeah. goes away so it's yeah. it is a beautiful feeling but you um yeah. you and Jerry must have, and I don't want to do the what was it like playing with Jerry <laughs> but you guys had you guys had that San Francisco that that connection like right away yeah. without well, that was something an unspoken bond probably before even the music yeah yeah um you know it was interesting uh, one quick story uh i was playing with elvin bishop and i had been with him for six years and we did a gig in san diego and jerry garcia band which i think merle was the keyboard player i never saw them but they were the headliners. They never came out the dressing room. I never saw Jerry or nothing. But um, it was very interesting. Jerry, when I was playing with uh, Elvin Bishop, Jerry asked who I was. Uh, never knew this, never saw him. Didn't really know who Jerry was because I wasn't a daddy. I don't know. I didn't know nothing about any of that. Remember, I'm fresh out of the church, and I've only played with two or three bands professionally and kind of went to Broadway shows. I did a lot of Broadway shows uh, and doing jazz and sitting in this jazz musician, Evolution of the Blues, if you ever heard of that uh, long-running uh, show in San Francisco with John Hendricks and Oscar Brown Jr. and all these people came through there. Uh, and so, and that's how I got with uh, Elvin Bishop. He came and saw the show and he was going out doing Raising Hell album and something like that and he wanted me on Oregon. So I got with him and, uh, and so, this particular concert happened in San Diego, and I never saw Jerry, never saw another music, because I never came out of the dressing room. And we left after we played. When I got with Jerry, the first day, uh, if you want to call it, I guess it was an audition, and when I got in the room with him, he, he told me, he asked who I was, and he told me the day about that, that show in San Diego. I said, wow, I never knew. To me, it was such an honor for him to pay attention to little me and what I was doing and ask who I was. And it's like, wow, that was huge for me. But, you know, uh, there's a long story of how I got with Jerry. I didn't know who Jerry was. When they walked in the room, I couldn't point him out because I don't, 
All I knew about the Grateful Dead is being in San Francisco, you know, one of them have a birthday or they do something large. You know, today is Mickey Hart's birthday, as, you know, whatever age he is, and, you know, from the Grateful Dead. Or when they perform New Year's shows at the Oakland, uh, Oakland Auditorium in that area, you hear the, you hear the, the, the people that live there, how they were displeased with what was going on. The tents, the hippies all around. <laughs> so you heard that yeah. stuff. You grateful did is tied to that. Yeah. Outside of that, I couldn't name one member of the Grateful Dead and who they are and what they do. And that was even up to the day that I went to play with Jerry. I didn't know who Jerry Garcia was. You know? And so there's a long, another long story, and I don't think we have time or you want to even go into that, but it was We such- got plenty of time. Dude, I, yeah, you could. I'll just listen for hours. Well, okay, you got I, show, I'm going to tell you this quick story to tie some ends. Remember, I'm fresh out of church. I play with Oven Bishop now and did some Broadway shows. I played with a guy named Gideon in Power, uh, which you may not know who he is, but his manager was uh, uh, Wally Amos, famous Amos Cookie. That was before he developed that cookie. He was a he was a road manager. I love famous Amos cookies. <laughs> yeah, and Wally Amos is name. Yeah. And he was we had a he had a deal with Bell Records and I was on Bell Records Gideon Power. You'll never know who he is, but famous Amos, because I came out of that. Anyhow, that was the very first professional thing I ever did. We flew to Phoenix to do a gig. I mean, they bought my airline ticket. I flew to, that's the first professional thing I did outside the church. It's like, wow. And I may have got $300, but it wasn't, it's like, I flew to do a gig. That was huge for me. But, you know, going back to Jerry. So I was doing work with Maria Mordauer, Midnight at the Oasis, and her boyfriend was John Kahn, as you know. And so when um, Maria, bass player, which I think his name was Amit Garrett, Amos Garrett, I believe is the name. Good place, man. Different style. Couldn't make a gig. John was sitting in. So John was, you know, paying attention to me and did quite a few gigs before he came and said to me, hey, man, would you be interested in uh, playing another band? And, and, you know, as a musician, sure, yeah, man, I'd love to. You know, I don't know what band. And I get a phone call one day and say, hey, uh, we want to probably get some gigs next week. And want to come up and, and see if we can put some songs together. You know, these guys are very not telling you much about anything. And then sure, you know, yeah, man, you know, cool. Because I'm not doing a whole lot. And so I went up and he told me, call me one day, we're going to get together Friday. And I go up to what they call Front Street, which is where their studio was. Yep. And trying to be a musician, being on time, good impression, I'm one of the first guys there. So the, the night guy, the guy that stays around the place and watches the place, let me in. He knew I was coming. I, again, I knew nothing about the Grateful Dead. You have to understand this. So when I walked in, I saw backdrops. I saw backdrops, skeleton with a violin in his hand, a skeleton with a rose. They were all skeletons. And I'm looking up. I know nothing about the Grateful Dead. I'm looking up at all this. Straight out of the church. I, you know, and I'm, I saw some $100 bill rolled up, sitting on a table. I don't know what this is all about, but I'm looking at that $100 bill. 
you know, and it's all stuff, big, nice studio and stuff. It's like, I didn't know what was going on. And I actually was a little afraid. Why was I afraid? Because it wasn't too long Jim Jones had that massacre. So here's some religious quote that Jim Jones, that we know what he did, his story. And here I'm walking in to and seeing this cult thing I know nothing about. You got to remember that out of the church. <laughs> like, oh, hell no. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, I got into a French stream in purgatory. Yes. What a weird thing to see. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. intimidating right off the bat. Yeah, it was very intimidating. But okay, then then they all kind of showed up together. You know, now it was Steve Paris, John Conn, Jerry Garcia, and uh, Jimmy Warren on piano. Jimmy, somebody on piano. Jimmy, yeah, Warren, I think his name, and a couple other people. They all showed up at one time. And so you know how, you know how you meet, hi, I'm Melvin, and, and they all go down the road and tell you their names. That's short-term memory. You don't get that. I couldn't even repeat their names after they said it. Hey, John, hey, I'm Jerry, hey, I'm Jimmy, hey, blah, blah, blah. hey, how you guys doing? I don't remember any of that, you know. Yeah. So the guys, which was Jerry at the time, said, hey, let's go play some music. We went into the room and sat and played three songs. I think it was uh, How Sweet It Is, The Harder They Come, Second That Emotion. It was Motown stuff because they figured I would probably know that stuff. And then after three songs, they all disappeared in the individual rooms. For, <laughs> I'm telling the truth, 10, 15 minutes, I don't know. And I go back in the lobby because I don't have a room to go into. So, you know, then they all come out and, yeah, man, yeah, it was great. Zipping, <laughs> oh, this was great, you know, and yeah. And so the guy on guitar, who was Jerry, I'm so embarrassed, is, uh, no, I said to Jerry, I said, man, you play some pretty guitar, pretty good guitar. And they all laughed because they, they knew I didn't have a clue who he was. And she said, oh, you play some pretty good organ. And we just laughed and ha, 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 and all that. And, and that was the beginning of the thing. But, you know, for two or three years, I, I had a piano and organ. I would not take it out because I was scared of them. I was just scared of what I didn't know. But what I've learned to find out, they were some of the most lovingest people on the face of this planet. And the fans are, too. The, yeah. the fans they call dead. It's like, I would, would rather not be with anybody but them now, you know? And since Jerry, that's pretty much all the music I've been playing. I'm capable of doing a lot of other stuff, but that's where I've been making my living. Yeah. You know? Well, I, that's what an unbelievable story. And just to, you know, I was in uh, the audience right behind the soundboard at uh, Home for the Holidays at the Capitol Theater that you guys oh, wow, did. Yeah. And yeah. I was... Uh, a guest of, of OTLs and you know, you guys yeah. did positively fourth street and I was, uh, bawling my eyes out. I mean, it was just to see all everybody up there, just y you sound wonderful. And, and it's all the fans. I don't ever speak for anybody, but I think I could speak for the fans right now when I say thank you for everything. <laughs> that you, I mean, it's been wonderful to listen. And, uh, you know, Jerry seems to always listening to the grateful dead is like listening to five, 10, 15 different, bands because it's all whether it's jug band or or bluegrass or he's playing children's songs with david grisman um you know and he introduced us to a lot of different musicians and then we go down those rabbit holes and we find out about the billy prestons and the, i mean howard yeah. wales before yeah. merle Ooh, yeah. and you oh, and God. i mean yeah. just unbelievable how yeah. grateful no pun intended i am that i found this music because it led me to 
a lifetime of musical channels that I'm just going to yeah. investigate the rest of my life. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just found Shirley Scott from just going back over old vit interviews with you, Melvin, for this. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. How did I miss Shirley Scott? And more, I'm thinking, how did my dad miss Shirley Scott? My dad didn't miss anything. Of course, I, if I call him, he'd be like, I played you, Shirley Scott. You the most. Oh. You know, I mean, wow. Just like yeah. I was grooving so hard to that that night. So yeah. even for me, someone who I like to think I've done some research, you know, oh, yeah. even if it was just getting it from my dad, I just got lucky. You know, yeah. still finding those nuggets. Because of music, rabbit holes, and yeah, links in a chain, you know, and it's uh, yeah, especially during this this quarantine and during. I hope that you've been safe and healthy, and uh, I hope everybody's been good on your end. Yeah, yeah, I I came off a tour in March. I I was out for a month. I think my first date was the third, and I went to the tenth. And dates were. Some dates were following out only because the ordinance was now you couldn't have a gathering. First, it started at 1,000 and went down to 500 and went down to 250. It was going down, mm. and we packed more than that. And so we were losing shows until uh, my last show. But I had a packed place in Chicago. I mean, not Chicago. Oh, well, Chicago, too. But my I packed at the Capitol Theater. The people came out, and um, I think it was like around the 8th of March or something like that. And it was packed. And then we went to uh, Chicago and uh, had a pretty, really decent house. And that was their last show. And that's when I realized I have to go home. Yeah. Stuff was changing while we were out there on a tour bus and all of that. So uh, I came home around the 11th to 12th of March. And I've been home ever since. No gigs. Had a lot of gigs booked, but they all kind of went away. You know, and I understand. I got it. I, you know, and. It took a minute to figure out what should I be doing. You know, for a while I just became a couch potato watching TV and eating and just doing nothing because I didn't understand. Well, what just happened? I knew it happened, but this is this is San Francisco. This is America. You know, what is this? And so um, um, there are gigs on the calendar that I think I'm going to have to pass on because. Uh, it's still not safe. It's just not safe. You, you know, you think about travel, the three of us all travel and perform in front of large groups for a living. And, mm -hmm. you know, you think about, I mean, March 11th was my last show in New York City. Mm -hmm. Oteil, yours was, I think, the 12th or something, right? March 10th. March 10th. I think it was. Yeah, at, yeah. at MSG. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's like two weeks later, reality changes and it's like i can't get on a plane i can't be in hotels in in and out of ubers right in right, and out of right. you know like elevators and and all of this and and then standing mm -hmm. in front of a crowd where everyone's exhaling at you right right it right. kind of changes everything you know like did and, and and for a minute i enjoyed the oh wow i don't have to live in an airport anymore for a yeah, little while yeah. you know did you enjoy traveling did you enjoy uh, being on the road was that something that you miss? I mean, well, playing, of course, yes, we miss. But do you, the getting there part? <laughs> it it was it was my therapy. Uh, I found when I came off the road, I was sitting a lot, and uh, 
and I was, you know, and you were sitting a lot and you're eating a lot of junky food and, and I felt my health. It's like my legs are hurting, my, uh, you know, things are hurting that wasn't hurting when I'm traveling because I, I work a lot. Uh, um, you know, in and out of airports, uh, up and on stage, on and off the tour, tour bus. And so that's my exercise, keeping me together. When that went away, I, for a period of time here, I was like sinking. And so one of the things I did, I bought a bike, uh, low impact, and, and I started riding my bike around town and enjoying that. And that kind of like, okay, you know, and, and I have a recording studio here, but I didn't want nothing to do with music for a while. Until now, now I'm out of that, I guess you would say, a funk that came over me, and I didn't know. You know, I was okay, but it's like I'm out of my element. I'm sitting here now with nothing, I think, to do. Uh, And I finally got out of that. Now I'm in the studio writing music and putting some things that I've written before that I never completed them correctly. Uh, I'm all over it now and about to work on some new music and start recording some stuff. But I'm starting to accept. I have a tour schedule in October that I don't think is going to happen. I mean, for a month. It's it's a month-long tour. And then I had some work with uh, Zero right after that, about two weeks with Zero in the New York area Mm -hmm. that I think is all going to go away. Yeah. And I'm fine with it now. Now I got it and I have a direction. I'm stay on the music, stay focused, exercise. I have a little boat here in San Francisco where I go out on the water and have a good time and go fishing. So now I got off the couch. That's what I needed to do because I was going in the wrong direction. That bike yes, keeps me up, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I miss performing, yeah. but I understand now. Well, so I am also trying to do something virtual now. Uh, I don't have a good, clear understanding how it's being done, but I'm watching bands play from different from their homes and syncing the music up. But that's a little bit above my pay grade. But there are people that know how to put that together. So I'm trying to um, now get something going that I can give to the people and uh, share music with. You know. I'm also, I've worked up a couple of tunes um, that I'm going to put out there on video release for free, uh, playing the organ just by myself. That's some type of material that the fans will have no idea I can do. One is an Italian song called Pavani. If you've ever heard the song Pavani, wow. uh, it's a beautiful piece. And I'm going to play the whole orchestration on the organ. I have a, I have a different kind of organ in my house that plays orchestration. And so I worked up the song just to, it's very pretty and, and, and uh, I think it's encouraging. It's like, they hear this and it's like the mouth is going to drop because they don't know this side of me. You know, right. when I practice, I'm always practicing classical and opera stuff. That's, that's what challenges me. And, you know. And you so used to I hear you playing that at Soundcheck. And oh, yeah, yeah. With O'Teal and Friends. And I was like, because Alfreda sings opera also. And I was like, man, why don't you guys just like do an opera segment? Just like oh. completely freak people out, you know? Oh. Or I would hear you playing. One time you were playing this thing. It was obviously uh, one of your tunes. That I didn't yeah. know it. I was grooving yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. And then Jay Lane, I think he knew the tune. And yeah. had been trying to get you to play it at some point. He starts playing. 
And he oh, gets yeah. up, he's like, Melvin, come on, why don't we do that? I was like, yeah, 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 why don't we do that? Like, <laughs> you were like, well, let me work out the, you know. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That was one of the songs I, I, I wrote in the, uh, uh, some hits in a groove line and, and a few parts, but it was never completed. Jay had heard me play it before, and, and yeah, he, he identified with it right away, but it needed to go somewhere, and, and, I, and I hadn't finished it. That's what I'm doing now. It's going somewhere now. So that's what I've been doing, completing songs that I have written that uh, great ideas, but never took the time to perfect it. And those are some of the things that I'm working on uh, currently. That's pretty cool about, I guess, if there is any silver lining to this uh, being forced to sit at home thing, is you have to go through your funk that I think we yeah. all... Yeah. Did. There were people asking if we wanted to do comedy shows on Zoom, and I'm like, no, don't ever. No, I don't want, I don't want to do crowd work about someone's couch or their cat. Like, I need that instant interaction, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and But it also made me think about, okay, when I do come back and I do go, get behind the microphone, like, I've got a lot of life that I want to tell. You know, I've got a lot of stories that I've on the right. phone with O'Teal talking and he's like, I really think that maybe that's something that you should talk about because it can yeah. help people and it can do yeah. just like you're working on things that maybe you haven't, you know, that, that, that you knew in the back of your head, like yeah. one day I'd really like to, to finish that. Like, I guess yeah. maybe yeah. that's one good thing about this is it's given all, all of us a kind of a forced self kind of reflection or introspection mm -hmm. or whatever. And it's a scary time though. That's for sure. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, but I've been safe. I, I, I've been okay. And I'm uh, social distancing. I wear my mask when I go out. And I don't want to go out for groceries or to ride my bike or when I go out on the water. That's it. Yeah. You know, no, so, and I'm not even visiting my family right now. No, I'm just staying in. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWolf. For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Yeah. good. You know, Melvin, I remember um, when we talked initially, you were telling me the story that you kind of related just now about, you know, at first I was just sitting on the couch watching TV and trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on, you know. Yeah. And um, I kind of want to get back to that, you know, um, as he watched the whole this movement like rise up and all these protests and stuff. Did it remind you of stuff out of the past? Cause you know, we don't like a lot of uh, other black people that I play with. It's kind of an unspoken thing. Like, I don't need to ask you, Hey Melvin, you know what racism did you experience when you were a kid? Like, I know if I were, if you were to tell me, I would be able to identify with something. That right. right. Someone I knew my relative, right. mom, dad, Right. So did you have that sense like, wow, we're still dealing with the same crap, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I, I knew uh, I, I was obviously not in the marches and stuff that was going on back in Martin Luther King. But um, because my parents came out of Homer and Menden, 
there was still some burning of the crosses. We would go back to Louisiana for, to, for him to visit his mother and his people, and he had land back there. And there was still some burning of the crosses. I knew that. I knew some of the danger things that was going on back there, folks missing and coming up dead and whatever. And it didn't hit me much as a kid, but, you know, my, my parents, grandparents, don't go down that road at night or don't, you know, certain things you don't do. Then as you grow up, you become more aware of what was going on, uh, you know. And, and it's funny, I can bring that into a modern day, uh, what recently happened to me, even with Jerry Garcia. Mm. You know, I, I kind of rolled with Jerry. When we flew, I was in the Learjets, I'm with him, and in limousines and things like that, I'm, I'm in the car with Jerry. I was like, he just, you know, wanted me with him. and. Um, um, I, a number of times, you know, I have my bags and my stuff and I'm just slow. They get out the limousine sound check, you know, their driver right up to the, the, the door of the, of the theater or something like that. And all the rest of them hopped off and they went on in and I'm still grabbing my stuff. And, you know, and so I get out the same car, Jerry, Jerry Garcia got out. But when I walk up to the, cause they probably shut the door and when I walk up to the door, can I help you? But can you help me? Didn't you just, you know what I mean? And, and, and he said, well, who is this guy? Steve, and Steve would like really bust their chops. You know, Steve would bust their chops every time. <laughs> yeah, Steve Ferris, I just got out the car with these people. Didn't you see this? What would I be doing at this huge theater or whatever it was at Soundcheck? And I have nothing to do with this. Doesn't even seem right, but you know, I just tucked it on myself. Okay, okay. <laughs> but some of the things that that uh, I have been profiled, and, and thank God it didn't turn anything. Anything. Uh, there are a few gigs that you know I did uh, gigs at uh, kind of well, there were hotels that had a music room, and you know once you get all your gear and put it back in your van or whatever you put, you know I drove around front because I wanted my car around front, in front of the lobby, so people can, if somebody's trying to break in because I got an organ and piano, it's right in front. Mm. I remember one particular time it was raining really bad, so I sat there for a while just to, for the, just to let down a little bit before I went to my room. It might have been 20, 25 minutes. I'm sitting there, and, you know, everything's all out. Then finally I get out of my car. I didn't even see this guy, young cop. And so I'm walking to my room, and I heard a voice say, hey, buddy. You know, I looked around. Hey, buddy, it was a cop. It was a young cop. And uh, I'm trying to remember what he said. He was, uh, what are you doing here? Something like that. And and at that time, like I said, it was raining, and I was coming from the front. There were a lot of hippies there, but they wasn't out at that point. And I said, I just performed here. What do you mean? And he said, talk to you like you're dumb sometime. I just performed right around the corner. All these people coming out, came out this performance. Got any ID? You know, and I just saw the devil in his eye. I just saw, I saw this could be trouble. And I have a bag. So I, I um, said, listen, my wallet's in my bag. I'm putting my bag on the ground to get my wallet. Make sure he understood. You know, and I gave him my wallet. No reason for none of this. You know, he never even told me why he did it. And then he looked and then at that point, some fans were coming out. That's Melvin. And Melvin. 
you know, then he realized I was the guy that I told him I was. And then more people were coming out, and, and I guess he started getting scared. Well, you good to go. And it's like, wow, that just messed with me that whole night, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, of now when you see, you know, what just recently happened, what could have happened. I've been stopped many times driving, you know. And the scary thing to me, and until you may not have to deal with it, a lot of time I'm driving myself. A lot of these festivals are up over the hill. You go through little towns. Yeah, middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm big and black. And everybody don't know who you are, especially in those little towns. So I always had this fear, oh, my God, I don't want to get stopped. Or I don't just, just, you know, I don't want anything to happen because it's not safe. If an episode was, you know, so I, I, this time cops got behind me. I'm driving the speed limit. I'm not, not going over the line. I'm doing everything right. Because you don't know what can happen and what's in their heart. So there are situations that are still out there, you know, that can be extremely dangerous. That, and more the more this happened, you know, it's like, oh, gosh. I think about episodes of things that could have went down, and it's like, in some ways, it's not cool, but how do you get around that? You know, a lot of these festivals are way off the beaten path, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when I had my band, the Peacemakers, mm-hmm. we used to travel in this old airport shuttle, you know, and the mm-hmm. brakes were not made for Colorado, for instance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the town of winter, you know. Not many. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to just go around the airport. So I finally got this old Bluebird bus that had those brakes that, that uh, like air brakes or whatever they're called. Yeah. They were heavier, you know, they were yeah. like, I could go down the passes in Durango or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Be scared to death, but it was an old church bus from some small town in Alabama, you know. Oh, wow. And they had a bus company. I read that, you know, we ripped all the seats out, put bunks in the last yeah. three, five feet with storage. And it was oh, checked yeah. out on the inside <laughs> and the outside just looks like an old, been sitting in the woods. Yeah. Sun bleached church bus, you know. And he said, "Well, you want us to repaint? You want us to take church bombs?" Like hell no! <laughs> <laughs> All these festivals I play, <laughs> you know. We do see we're not gonna like do the the <laughs> pranksters bus thing. Like, we're going low, yeah. <laughs> low profile. And I even saw some cops one time got mad at me because we pulled into summer camp, which is in Chillicothe, Illinois, I think, uh-huh. and we were riding up. And they knew we were a band because we got waved through. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't even, they weren't even trying to hide it. They were like, because they, they, they felt like we had done it on purpose. Like we were trying to be covert, which I was, but it yeah. was just serendipitous. You know, I didn't like say paint church bus on it. I just said, don't take it off. Right, 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 right. Many right. times, you know, we had weed in that bus. We, yeah, yeah. Many times, cops would come out and they just fade away, and I was like, <laughs> 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 yeah. "Well, you know, I, you know, my that stuff, wasn't that long ago." Yeah, my stuff was innocent. I, I, I never smoked weed. There, I don't smoke weed, and, uh, and I, you know, I don't drink. So they had any of those incidents of me being pulled over, stopped on the highway late at night. Driving mm-hmm. from a festival back to a hotel, been stopped many times for really no reason that they just saw, you know, me and them black and and it's maybe twelve, one or two o'clock in the morning. 
opportunity. You know, there's no smell alcohol. There's yeah. no weed smell. None of that to provoke anything. You know? Yeah. The thing that's so heartbreaking, too, is that you're coming from or going to an event where everyone can be together and be peaceful and be happy and mm-hmm. and experience this great moment that's never going to happen again right. together and right. watch you play or O'Teal watch you play or who, you know, and you have to fear on your way there and on your way back. It's just so... Yeah. It's it's but that's like that's almost a universal law. Like if you walk in love, like real love will command a response of hate or elicit yeah, one. Like yeah. any spiritual leaders or it's people that balance. Are supposed to be like heavy, like if nobody ever tried to kill them, I feel mm-hmm. a little like uh yeah. you know, because all the great ones they tried <laughs> to kill Bob them right up to the Dalai Lama or did kill them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you know yeah. somebody's really walking in love, you know. Yeah. They're like yeah. completely nonviolent and yeah. totally loving. And then someone tries to pop and be like, you should listen to that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I yeah. love how you somehow didn't let bitterness or any of these experiences like prevent you from giving other people a chance. Because I, when, when you said what you said about the Grateful Dead crowd, I felt that same thing. And I knew deadheads from like mm-hmm. first grade, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about the Grateful Dead or I just knew it was those right. people that wore the funny right. handmade clothes and they were yeah, yeah, super yeah, yeah. sweet. And That's I was right. like, I grew up in the ghetto and I was like, they had a perception of how white people were. And I was like, but there's these really sweet ones, you know, that yeah, are, yeah. You know, they're not all good, but they're not all bad. And no, they're not. No, I find no. it fascinating, like someone um, like you that came out of such a uh, sheltered background from all of that stuff mm-hmm. to, and then experiencing racism yourself, yeah. but still not holding it again, not, not closing oh, no, yourself no. off, you know? It's not in me. It's the religion in me. And it's just, I, I was not born and raised that way. Uh, it's not a part of me. And that's even like, a, I couldn't understand why some of my heroes, uh, what they say, what they say, like, wow, I don't ever want to be like that. Do it's you, not there. I'm just, what do you mean by that? Do you mean more of like the, the like the, instead you, you like more turn the other cheek type, more passive and love instead of like a militant, more like kind of. just being a-holes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's some there's people that have road managers. I'm just putting it in our field. When you walk into the building, they won't even let people touch you. Get away, pushing you away, pushing you away. No, no, I want to greet a few people. Hi, how are you doing? I want to put a smile on you. Man, you look good today. Especially the ones that are crippled in a wheelchair. I'll go up and take a picture with Man, I want a picture with you. Something to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, 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 a, what heart? Well, I believe what leaves the heart reaches the heart, and so I don't want to be a stiff ass and you know, and you can't touch me. But then yet you come to see me play and you enjoy me. I want you to feel the love, you know. And so I'm not, I'm not that guy that uh, uh, I don't have the words for. But you know what I'm trying to say. You're not holding grudges against people oh, who are no. trying to be. Uh... <laughs> No, I just think it's a bitterness and I find it fascinating for parents that came out of these, you know, places in Louisiana where there's like cross burnings. Like my parents are New Yorkers. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, they were mad. They were like <laughs> Black Panthers. <laughs> very educated, yeah. very, you know, love yeah. music. They they definitely gave people, they weren't like all white people are bad. And, you know, they yeah, always yeah. told me, you got to take people one at a time, black people yeah. too, because yeah. they'll screw you over. Like, you got to, don't judge any person like in a group. Yeah. That was done to us, but they didn't experience cross burnings. Like, oh, know, yeah. That's, yeah. That's some next level stuff. And to still be like yeah. leading with, you know, not in hate then, or yeah. at least have some walls up. Yeah. I and mean, you can forgive anybody that's been through that for at least having some walls up, you know? I, I, don't, I don't know why. I hope it's not something wrong. Well, I think I, it's I, the I mean, religion in you, like you said, it's that. That's your, but even even so, Melvin. I mean, you you tell stories about meeting your heroes and your heroes having, you know, there's folks that have this kind of like they lead with their ego, where you yeah. le- you led with an openness and a humility and a, it's an honor to meet you. And yeah. I've been studying your music, and it's made me a better player. And here's what I've learned, and let's play. And right, right, right. So that that is, the same person that greets someone in a in a wheelchair and wants to make our night perfect and that's that person that radiates from the stage all yeah. the way back at what a week before christmas at at, at uh or whenever it was home for the holidays where it was yeah you know you're you and oteal you're yeah. you and, and 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 as a performer the person you are and you said le- what leaves the heart reaches the heart that's yes. unbelievable yes. i mean that's common sense and that's the yeah. things that we talk about all the time is just this whole yeah, it's not everybody, and it's it's you take these singular events and these moments and these people, and you try to just find the love and find the purity and find the the happiness yeah. and try to brighten their day instead of. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's beautiful, man. I mean, I really yeah. I think if you have the music in you and if you have the sense of you know adventure and, and we talked to M we talked to uh, Jerry's uh, widow MG Mountain Girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and she no, said no. something about just being being present and being available, which I yeah. thought was really neat. Being available to the moment, which is, yeah, yeah, that's, it's true. And it seems like you're there. Yeah. yeah it led yeah. you out of a completely different, like where you ended up. It's just beautiful, man. <laughs> I love that story. When uh, I saw an interview with you when you were saying that, uh, you know, Jerry, and this just speaks to the sweetness of mm-hmm. the whole crowd, family, band, uh, every everyone, but that they always made sure you had your own dressing room because oh, yeah. they knew you came out of the church and they didn't want yeah. you to. Have they didn't want close to them doing drugs. Oh, Jerry wow. did not like to have me. Uh, uh, they uh, didn't want you know most of the, all the musicians they are similar in, in a lot of ways, and so they would be in a room before shows and shooting the breeze and doing what they do, and I was not like that. I never did. I, I've never, I, I'm not ashamed to say to this day, I have never smoked weed. I don't even know what it's like. Now I eat edibles. Don't get me wrong. You know, <laughs> yeah. I eat edibles and I got CBD all, all over the place <laughs> and rub and, 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 and gummy bears. Oh, that's but amazing. What leaves I, the edible reaches the edible velvet. Or done any other drugs to my body. I just haven't. I don't know what it's like. I don't consider those drugs. To me, drugs are made in a lab. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, cannabis comes out of the earth. The Bible I, I, yeah. every good thing came out. Yeah. Well, you know what? And see, I had to I had to learn that because out of the church, you know, they it, I'm from an older church that's smoking. You know, they, they talked about uh, uh, your body, a sacred temple, you know, and, and, and anything that's harmful to the body was not, you know what I mean, how they would proceed it back then. So smoking and cigar and, and of course, we anything that was supposed, but then I had to learn through the Garcia, through the fans, that this is a plant. Like you go pick uh, some other plant for the healing of a body or whatever you choose to do with it. You're right, and you're right what you just said. But to me, it was like, no, you're smoking weed. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that I've only told a few people. This is, this is real. When I was in high school and uh, I wanted to play piano, piano and organ, I wanted to be a professional musician so bad. I remember cutting one of my classes and I knew how to pick the lock of the auditorium of the high school. You know, they had a piano in there. So one of my classes, I picked it a lot because I knew nothing was going on and I didn't want to deal with that class. And I went in there and I had a grand piano and I'm playing this grand piano and I'm looking out, of course, there's nobody there. And I kind of made a vow with God. I said, and, and I kid you not, I said, Lord, if you let me be successful in this music business, I would never do part of what was considered the ugliest things that the musicians do. Whatever it may be, I would not be a part I will dedicate my life and, and give it back to you. So everything that came to me, I didn't hustle for. You got to hear this. It came to me. It was put right in front of me. Wow. And so I felt like to start smoking, I would break my vow, and it's all over. I can't do it. Now I, I know more that. about the plant. You know, it's a plant, and I don't feel so bad about it, but I just never did. And so why at this point, what am I going to start doing it for? But I feel there's a government because he's kept up his, you know, I played some large shows, been with some large people that I may not have been the best candidate to even do that. But I know where my source come from. Yeah. Amen to that. I, I understand that. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, I had a chance to do to perform at Radio City Music Hall uh, in February doing stand-up comedy, and there's no way in hell I was ready to be there. You know, but I was opening right, up right. for uh, I was an opening act for someone else, and you know, I walked into that place with tears in my eyes, and I I did not take it lightly. And I thought, just like you said, there are people who were way more, yeah. you know. But you, it was about. M- me and my friendship with the people that I was performing right. with that they wanted, I got off stage and they were all standing on the side of the stage with their arms open, giving me a hug saying, congratulations. Right, 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 they right, knew right, how right. much it meant to me, you know, and it's something that I'll never, you know, and now it's been five, six months since I've even been on stage. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and it's that right. thing of being open and yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful, man. That's really amazing. Keeping that humility throughout all of this is just so cool. That's why you you endure, you know, and good yeah. things keep coming. That's true. You know, keeps coming. It just keeps coming. Stay open, and you know, you get hurt, yeah. and you're like, wow. But you keep giving the world a chance. You keep giving the day. Oh yeah. A chance, oh yeah. Oh you know? yeah. 
And um, I, I, I love that about you, man. That's what everybody <laughs> loves it. And I think that's why, you know, when people, they can tell, they can feel it. Yeah, yeah. They know yeah. why we're smiling. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, I'm not entertaining you. Cause like, some no, people, no, I don't no. have it, you know, yeah. but yeah. when we play together and then it gets, right. and then I start to feel that smile. Kind yeah. Of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a thrill to see you guys play. It's a gift, man. Yeah, and, it's a uh, gift, man. You know, it's uh, I, I miss it. I love it. You know, and we'll be back because we're coming back. But you know, just um, I have to ask Melvin, coming from the church into the dead scene. You know, you're up on stage. You're playing with Jerry. Yeah. You look out in the crowd and you see that crowd. <laughs> yeah. What were you? What did you think right off the bat? Looking at the deadheads dancing and grooving like. You know, twirling. The, twirling and all of that. Did that blow your mind? I mean, were you like, holy, like, this is unbelievable. Look at this whole new scene. Yeah. You know, through, going through the experience of getting with Jerry and the Deadheads, I mean, I played with Elvin and that was different. It was rhythmic blues and stuff. But Jerry was a whole new experience opening up what I saw. And what I heard, he, and, and first to answer your question, yes, I'm looking at all these people that dance and they twirl. I've never seen twirls in my life. And some people are just going around and round and round. How do you not fall? How do you not get dizzy? But they're just going around. And that's, you know, there are people that are at the Warfield, we should call it Warfield Home for us, that would be in a circle out there praying for Jerry in the band. They come to the show and there's like a circle of people that just, uh, I don't know what you call it, that they're, they're, I don't know if they're dancing or they're just uh, praying in, in a sense for, you know, Jerry and the good wish of the will of the band, you know. There's so many things that went on there. But what I had to learn in, with the Jerry Garcia band is that I used to get upset. Coming from R&B and the church music, you you dot your I's and you cross your T's. And, and what I mean, you know, here comes Tight. an accident. Right. And it's coming up. Uh, harder it comes. Jump. Da, you know, and you everybody hit it tight and, and right on the one and it's just big. This band, the Jerry Garcia band, would mess up simple things. <laughs> and I used to be mad over like, come on, guys, look at all these people out of here. And you guys are playing out. You know. <laughs> I couldn't understand that to save my life <laughs> or how they can get away with it. Meanwhile, the crowd's loving every mistake. They love it. Like, yeah. they, Jerry they love miss mistakes. a word. Jerry miss a word or miss a, make a big mistake on the guitar. Oh, they just screaming. Like, I didn't come from that. I didn't know anything about that. And and so I had to learn it wasn't about how tight the music, it was a vibe. It was sharing something, again, from the heart. It was just, it, it wasn't nothing about how tight you were, how good you were, or how badass it was. It was if you got in that zone right, you know. And I used to walk out like, you know, there, there would be a line of people when we walk out the auditorium night and want to say hi or whatever, and, and, and 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 there were people people say like Melvin Melvin did you feel it the the third verse the second second you know they were exactly when did you feel it go over the crowd you know and I was saying uh huh 
You know, I don't know what he's talking about. But something <laughs> went over the whole yeah. room. And they all got that moment. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It happens in church. It does. It does. You're right. I just didn't know it happened there. Exactly. When I first saw it happen, uh, it was amazing because I wasn't, I wasn't on stage, you know. Right. Uh, uh, went to uh, the very first show of Grateful Dead 50. Bill yeah. Kreutzmann flew me out. Oh, and, yeah. um, it was mystical. And I was like, yeah, that was unbelievable. This is like a white people's black church. The, all yeah, the yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And yeah, then when yeah. the thing all happens and it, you see it like everybody, and even the night I was there, the rainbow came out and I was, I looked at my wife, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know? And the first time I saw the Grateful Dead, the only time I saw Jerry, it had to be 92 or 90, I think it was 92. They played in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I remember I wasn't even as focused on the band. I was more focused on the crowd. I was in the crowd, like on the right. board, like in the middle of this whole <laughs> thing, you know. And it felt really good and warm. And right yeah. during drums, it was so hot, man. Just wow. we were just sweating inside yeah, yeah. in Vegas, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then during drums in space, Mickey hits a beam of thunder claps. Yeah. It starts raining like buckets all of a sudden, and I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I can see these guys, like something. You're making sure it's raining like, on everyone else. <laughs> yeah, it was like. And so I was like, man, you just can't deny that stuff. No, when it you can't deny it. You can't deny it. Not. That's what that's, keeps. That's what keeps yeah. us coming back all the time for more and more and more. Yeah. And these moments yeah. are singular, and you chase them, yeah. and it's the best. Yeah. That's what keeps that's, people coming back to church too, right? That's when I learned about the improvising and not having a set show. Why, you know, from night to night we played this last night, but it's t- it's either fast or dragging, or so it's just totally a different night, and and they're chasing. You know what? Which was their favorite night? Because it's never the same. We, you know, I we just played this. We opened up with this last night. Why is this dragon? You know, and, yeah. <laughs> you know. But it was a vibe. It was a feel that that was right for that night, and it worked. And so I, you know, I learned more playing with the Jerry Garcia band than I ever had. I've had a gospel record label. I've had records in the top ten artists in the top ten charts. Gospel producing. Uh, uh, for a long time, but when I got with Jerry, it was a new experience with the music world. I didn't understand it. I had to. I had to go learn what this is. What is this? You know, and yeah. and now that I know, it's like I really don't want to play anything else but this. Now, <laughs> lifetimes of doing this, you know. Well, then everybody said he was a channel, right? Like he would yeah, just yeah. channel all this this music through and a lot of people say that and even i think he said that the jerry band it was the songs that he it's the band that he kind of like uh he's that's the what he thought a band should be like the covers that you guys did were the songs that he liked to cover the dead was more of a democracy when it came to you know they had to play the songs that mickey wanted to play and phil wanted to play the jerry band was you know yeah Yeah. and 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 you could just hear and see how much fun he was having. Yeah, he loved the Jerry Garcia band. When we got to the final uh, members that was there for quite some time, he said many times, this is the band I wanted. This is the band I've always wanted, you know. Not that other musicians uh, and other bands wasn't great, but 
obviously we when we all got together, Jackie and Glory and myself, uh, started Dave Kemper and John Kahn, we were there for a long time. Yeah. And um and I get it. I yeah, I get it now, yeah. You know. <laughs> and like even what food, I brought to know? the band, yeah. Because it was funny, you know, Merle was there just before me. Yep. And when they hired me, the first thing I wanted to do was start listening to, okay, let me listen to what Merle did on these songs. They no, that was a big no. Because had I listened to what Merle had played, I would have started right there playing with Merle played because I'd figured that's their comfort zone. That's what that's what they would been hearing. They didn't want that. They would not let me listen to tracks with Merle. They wanted me to explore what I heard in the song. And a lot of songs I didn't know what I heard, you know. So I just played. And 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 Jerry said that's what he's looking for. That's that's what I brought to the table is what he was looking for. So, you know, rumor goes on and it, it worked out pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, I think it worked out pretty good. You're an unbelievable talent, and you're an unbelievable person to talk to, man. And it's just, this is such an honor, really. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on and blessing us with this. It's such a hard time everybody's going through. Yes. And I know, I, I had a hard morning this morning, really hard. And, yeah. Um, I feel so much better right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, totally, man. I might just call you every now and then and just, I want you to say what leaves the heart reaches the heart in my well, voicemail and I'll just listen to that. That's what I, uh, that's what I think our music experience should be. People are coming, I, I say, like the church. Church folks come to church because they've had a bad week, that a hard week, and, and they needed help. They needed to hear the word. They need to hear a good choir. They need their spirit lifted. And these fans that come to hear this music, same thing. Oh, it's the same thing. It's church. It, and they're coming in for their favorite song, whatever it may be. And and I can tell because they just, some of them have, sometimes they just people crying. They're just crying. You know, and I used to say, why are they crying? But I get it now, you know. Maybe the uh, sisters and brothers just touched somebody's heart because Maybe they lost a loved one. And we talk about the promised land. There's, you know, everybody identify with different songs. Uh, and, and when they hear the song, they're either dancing while they're grooving or they're crying or they're just sitting there looking at you like, this is so sacred. And I get it all now. And so that's what we should bring to them, an experience, not just come play a bunch of bubblegum music, experience. They should go away with their hearts filled of love. Of the concert they just heard. Yeah, when so I see people crying thing. like that, I I do first think yeah. I think of is people breaking down and crying in black church. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it out. They come over and they hug you, put their yeah. arm around you. Go ahead, let it out, yeah. man. <laughs> let it out, man. <laughs> it is a sacred thing. Yeah. What is, is this connection thing. with Jerry and gospel? Because you got I I noticed I was learning a bunch of gospel tunes yeah. uh, to play with you guys. Um, yeah. And um, he obviously, uh, that caught his ear when he first heard you, yeah. you know? It's, well, I don't know what his background is with that, really. Jerry was very spiritual inside. I don't know, maybe he fought it, ran from it, but didn't feel qualified. Jerry knew the Bible. I, I used to be at Jerry's house, and, and, and that's when 
Dr. Scott used to come on TV. You remember Dr. Scott, a minister, and he would talk some weird stuff sometimes, you know, but Jerry would interpret it. And I'm, he, Jerry knew the Bible inside and out. Jerry listened to Clara Ward. He listened to the Roberta Martin singers because when he would play me gospel, it was old-timey gospel. You know, right the, the blind, blind boys. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? The old, yeah. the old, the old twins. And he'd say, oh, I love this song here. And I knew it. I knew it from, you know, coming out of gospel. Said, what does he know about these songs? He knew. Mm. I mean, he picked and chose what would be appropriate to perform on his stage. But he had a gospel history, the unbelievable, you know, what he knew, what he believed in. He just didn't share that on stage necessarily in public and in speech, you know, because he just kind of felt like, you know, same thing with political. He didn't, he, Jerry had said, well, I'm voting for this president. What would the magnitude, what would go out to yeah. his people? But he stayed out of that arena, uh, you know. It, it it seems like with Jerry too that was no matter what genre it was whether it was bluegrass he wanted to go right to the source and learn yeah. like Bill Monroe and if it was you know the blues he wanted to go right to the source or the psychedelic yeah. thing and it seemed yeah. like he was not concerned with anything other than like no. the pure like where the water dripped from the rock you know and and, right. and that's the right. thing that seemed so amazing about him was how good yeah. he was at so many different styles yeah he was yeah yeah and yeah. it takes great players to to be able to navigate all that you know no ego. it's a you know he's that's why you made it to the spot that you did it's like things people and things find their spot they're supposed to be in, yeah you know because you were able to navigate all those different things yeah. and, and uh integrate well, there was a them all. A lot of gospel in my plan, and I go back to when he said he heard me in San Diego, and I often wonder why he asked who was on the organ with Elvin Bishop. You know, it was a lot because, like I said, my gospel roots shine through my plan. I can give you the rock and the other elements, but it's you know it, it's coming through. And he heard that, and that was the source that he, even though I never knew I'd be with him some one day, he reminded me. You know, that day, wow. There's a connection somewhere. Oh, absolutely. He heard it from listening to all that old stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can hear this guy knows that old stuff. Yeah. He said, that guy really really likes Billy Preston. (laughs) 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 You know, from a a fan, and Oteil, I have to say that, like, I think that this is probably going to happen a lot during this podcast. But to tell both of you, and, you know, Melvin, you said it, having those watching fans have that moment and how special it is, I could tell you that whether it's getting off the exit ramp in heading into the parking lot and seeing the other fans and seeing the the fanfare and the the park, you know, everybody getting ready to go in, it's like being a little kid. And in the distance, you see your friends playing and all you want to do is like your body just starts running towards them. You know what I mean? That feeling of like, I can't wait to be with my people and my friends and we're all there and we're all anticipating it. And then you walk in the door and when the house lights go down and the stage lights come up, there's just this millisecond of 
Yeah. Like you're killing off. me right now. And that's the moment. That's just, I'm sorry, but that's, I, I have to say it. I mean, I see it every night. No- I know. Dude. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks, Turn the lights off. Right. Back and, but that yeah. moment, that moment for all of us is just this collective, just it let we leave it all there and you guys give it to it. And it's, it's just, yeah. it's yeah. the most indescribably beautiful moment of my entire existence. And it's why I keep going back to shows and it's why, I just can't thank both of you. This is why, like, th- like to be here talking with the two of you together now, it's just, just thank you f- a million times over to both of you guys. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks all for right. having now me. That's enough of the, enough of the sappy <laughs> shit. I'm, all right. let's, let's, I'm sorry. Okay. I feel the same way, dude. I really do. It's just a thing that you guys provide that it just, it, it really fills Like you said, it fills us up. And, uh, well, it fills us up too from the the audience, yeah. you know. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, I, I always go back to it. Like to Black Church, it's such an interactive thing. Like without yeah. the audience, yeah, there the congregation without the interaction, mm-hmm. yeah. the whole wave doesn't happen, you know. So we're getting as much. Like we're getting. Yeah. It's like you, the the crowd has put the gas nozzle in the tank and it's filling us up. Can we get this thing to fill up faster, yeah. you know? And it's, <laughs> <laughs> we get as much from it as audience. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait till we can do it again soon. I can't wait yes. till we can do it. it, it Mel- it'll be soon. Yeah. Melvin, where can listeners find and support you and uh, anything that you'd like to plug or anything that anybody can can, can go check out or keep an eye on for the future? Well, you know, I don't know when new things will be, uh, whether it's a show or recording that I'm going to put out. I do have a website. I do have publicists. So when I'm done with something, I'm sure they will get it out there with the fans. I do, you know, website, uh, jgbband.com is a good place. I have Instagram and, and like I said, publicists and all that stuff that will, get out what I'm going to release. Uh, I'm going to do some things for a nudge, you know, nugs. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm coming out of a fog where the music is back Good. and I'm down in my studio recreating now. So once I put enough together, it's a little difficult because I'm used to a band in the room, you know, my drum over here, bass player, we guitar play over here and we play together. Now I'm, you know, it's all internet, you know, I'm, sending this to my drummer and he's trying to play what he thinks I want and send it then uh, to the bass player. They saw pro tools and things like that. And it's not the way I'm old school. I'm just old school and it's not how I prefer to do it. So it's more of a challenge, but you know, uh, signs at a time. So I just have to do it that way. You know. So, but I am working now and yeah. I'm coming up with some stuff that, uh, you know, I think folks are going to be like, wow, this was well worth waiting for. Because I try not to do anything just average, just okay. It's got to do something to me first. And I'm tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, but you. I think we've taken more than uh, enough of your day. But oh, okay. um, thank you so much. And Thanks for having me, Otil. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I can't man. wait to do it again. Oh, man. Save me a track on one of them records. <laughs> you know, I, do stuff. I want to get in on that. <laughs> you got it, man. You, your name is written on a couple of things already. 
I can play a pretty decent acoustic guitar too, Melvin. So if you need anything, Ah. uh, if you need just regular chords, I'm your guy. You know what? It's funny that I'm (laughs) going to get off here. I just wrote a uh, song uh, for, uh, it's actually the lead instrument, it's acoustic guitar, beautiful little song. And so I play acoustic guitar on synthesizer. Oh. But it sounds like a guitar. You have to listen to it. Oh, that ain't guitar. It'll take a minute <laughs> to realize, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's a pretty little song, short song, uh, two and a half minutes, you know. Just like, oh, man, so beautiful. And I'm, I'm getting ready to put orchestration around the guitar. It's be one of the songs I'm going to release and however I'm going to release this thing. So I, I'm fired up now. I am really. Yeah, into- we did it. Awesome. <laughs> you man. got me fired up. I know. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank All right. you so much, man. We Everyone, th- thanks so much for listening and uh, tune in next time for another episode of Comes the Time. Thank you. Thank you. God bless y'all. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.